0: Weirdo Bookworms bookworms Unite! unite. Do your reading tastes range from dystopian sci-fi to middle-grade fantasy? Dark
1: psychological thrillers to gory body
0: horror? From YA paranormal swords and sorcery?
1: Extraterrestrials? Murder? Mayhem! And beyond! Then we want to share our love of reading with you! Welcome home. Hi, Genre Junkies, it's Sandra. And this is Scott. And Welcome to another November fantasy episode.
0: This has become uh, a tradition that we didn't in- in- originally intend it to be, but it's, I love it.
1: Yeah, we do fantasy books in November because I fill us with horror in October. And then my birthday is the first week in December.
0: So that's always horror.
1: It's generally horror, though I think year before last, didn't I pick Cersei?
0: For my birthday? That might I have did. been, it actually might have been your birthday Yeah, one. by yeah. Madeline
1: Miller. Love, yeah. that, love that book. Oh my God, I love that book so much. Um, so, But it is going to be, it is going to be horror <laughs> this time. <laughs> uh, it's already, it's already in the works. But tonight we're going to be talking about book one of the Tower of, I'm sorry, book one of the Books of Babel series, Sen Lin Ascends by Josiah Bancroft. Ooh. I believe this is a four book series. If I could be
0: wrong, I believe it is four books. Yes,
1: and it's kind of dangerous. You know, we're always really kind of picky choosy with doing series on here because we don't we need to like space them out if we do them because we don't just want to like you know overload on a series.
0: And because we we because one of two things will happen: we will either you know read the first book and then never get around to reading the rest of it, which always is disappointing, or
1: we don't mean to do that. We don't mean yeah. to. Or, you know, so it's like we have to kind of be like, okay, are we are we committing to this? Because it could also turn out someday that we just feel kind of meh on the first book. So we don't want to do the series. But that hasn't actually happened yet. No, it <laughs> we hasn't. It's like the series, whether we finish it or not.
0: And, and then the second thing that will happen is we'll be like, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll, inter- we'll review the first book. And then we end up coming back yeah. a month later and we've read the whole darn thing and we're doing another episode on it. Um,
1: but we digress. So I'm gonna talk a little bit about this series in a minute. But first, you know, we like to share, have a little roundtable moment here, uh, with what we've been enjoying, absorbing in our world. Um, yeah, it's um, it's midnight mass, people.
0: Yeah, midnight mass. Uh, Apps like, okay, I love, I- I've loved everything that he's done, Mike Flanagan. Yes. Um, the Flanny. He definitely has a great uh a great dramatic eye mm-hmm. when he directs um it's he he really has kind of a unique flair to yes. his storytelling this one i think was his best <gasps> I, I really do. I mean, I could be biased because it hits so hard for me but right. very, very, very Catholic. Very yes. Catholic. Right. And so there was like little bits of there. It's like, I remember that song. I remember yep. like I was <laughs> there. there's calling responses when it comes to Catholic masses. Yes. And I definitely caught myself twice out loud, completely just like unconsciously yeah. Repeating the response, I'm like, oh wow, I wow, it's in there, it's in there deep. <laughs> but you know, outside, even aside from that, it's very, very good. It's incredibly well acted, like all of his films are. Uh, all of
1: his movies, movies films film, everything yeah whatever he has a tendency to recycle actors including his incredibly talented wife and um it's just like he just builds these ensembles of incredibly talented amazing people um it's that type of horror that I really love, and I you guys have heard me say this before, horror that makes you scared, horror that you know makes you laugh, makes you cry, makes you feel a lot of feelings. That's like my favorite, and um, he he does it masterfully.
0: And, and you know, sometimes I uh, sometimes I criticize directors, producers who always cast the same people in all of their works, but uh, Flanagan asks for very specific acting choices that are not that are not typical when you when you find them in movies and tv shows There there's certain dramatic beats and character choices that are kind of a, a non-traditional that he clearly has a staple of people that he trusts to just run with that direction
1: right um if you want to hear more about midnight mass you should tune into uh spooky slumber party coming out um after, like a week after this episode. I
0: did not know that that was what this episode was about.
1: Yes. Our next spooky Summer Party episode. Well, that's okay because you're not on it. So I you look have to... forward to editing it. <laughs> yeah. And we're going to talk more about Midnight Mass. But tonight it is time for Senlin. <laughs> it's just, you can't like say Senlin ascends without like an epic tone. Senlin ascends. Okay. Let me tell you about this. Let me tell you about this book. The Tower of Babel is the greatest marvel in the world. Immense as a mountain, the ancient tower holds unnumbered ringdoms, warring and peaceful, stacked on the other like layers of a cake. It is a world of geniuses and tyrants, of luxury and menace, of unusual animals and mysterious machines. Soon after arriving for his honeymoon at the tower, the mild-mannered headmaster of a small village school, Thomas Senlin, gets separated from his wife, Maria, in the overwhelming swarm of tourists, residents, and miscreants, Selin is determined to find Maria. But to do so, he'll have to navigate madhouses, ballrooms, and burlesque theaters. He must survive betrayal, assassins, and the illusions of the tower. But if he hopes to find his wife, he will have to do more than just endure. This quiet man of letters must become a man of action. So let me, I'm, I'm, let, me let me start. Let me start. <laughs> so. I selected this book because this book has been on my radar for some time. And I cannot shake this book. Like, it's just been something about it, something about that premise really, really called to me. And I've not been able to shake this book for like the couple of years, of however long it is now that it's been out, where I was just like, oh my God, that book, that book. And I've heard some people review it, always spoiler free, you know, or doing like vlogs about it and stuff. And I was like, oh, there's that book again. And yeah, just something about this premise that I just, I couldn't shake. I couldn't shake it. So I told Scott, I was like, I know it's a series. I know it's, you know, that territory of are we going to finish it? Are we not? but I have to read this book. I have to read this book. And I started it and I was like, we have to read this book. (laughs) We have to read this book. Um, This was for me, gosh, it's close, but it's, um, it's a shallow obsession it's a it's a mm-hmm. it's it's an obsession, like it's beyond page turner. I mean it
0: sounds like it was an obsession before you even read the first word. it
1: kind of was, <laughs> but like let's just say like it's not the most rabid obsession I've ever had, mm-hmm. but I would place it in obsession.
0: I would have to put this in a page turner myself, okay. um it, it's a little bit hard because I started off a little bit slow with this book. Mm. um I'll just say that Senlin is a difficult protagonist to get behind in the beginning.
1: Okay, I'm gl- I'm glad you brought that up.
0: Yeah. Um now as the book progressed and you know, the tone I, I will say it's not just Senlin. the tone of this book is not completely clear at first. I had I had I had a tough time wrapping my fingers around like what exactly the tone of this book was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And I'll talk a little bit more about that shortly, but um, it started off as a little bit of a struggle, to be honest. Oh my. But by the end, oh man, I really enjoyed this book.
1: So I should note that this book is by um Josiah Bancroft is the author's name, Josiah Bancroft's. Um So, you know, good to know. Good to know that. So there's an exact point in this book where I became a Senlin fan and I started rooting for him. And I'll save that for the spoiler section. But I I highlighted it. There's an actual just a point when we got on the same page. I will say, like, this is enough of an obsession that I am highly endorsing this book. This book, and hopefully the series to other people. Um, there's people i I can think of that would really love this. Um it is steampunk, you guys. It is
0: steampunk,
1: and like uh, how Jules Verne is steampunk,
0: yeah, exactly, yeah,
1: yeah. only a little. Uh- little bit more too i don't want to give anything away but we'll save that for the uh for the spoiler section mm-hmm. i'm thinking of a specific yes. thing but um it, it's like that like it's not necessarily like everything has a gear and a clockwork on it but a lot of stuff is gears and clockwork <laughs> and steam powered and it's um you know, it's this world that obviously is very similar to our world, but it's not like he's from a place that doesn't exist as far as we yeah. know. And of course, the Tower of Babel does not exist um, anymore. Well, <laughs> it certainly was never like this, was it? In the uh, in the biblical uh, Judeo Christian, I don't know what you call it, Abrahamic story, there's a Tower of Babel. Different, different though. Very different. Yeah, very different. This one's or much cooler. <laughs> um. So yeah, there's, uh, and I have to say, there's something kind of refreshing about the fact that like Senlin and I didn't bond right away because I haven't had that happen in a while. Yeah. And yeah, I was kind of like, well, maybe this will just be a plot-driven book for me and I'll pick up some other characters along the way. And then, you know, this turning point happens. And I was like, no, I am rooting for him.
0: Yeah, I I think it's really important, you know, really important to to drive this home is that, you know, you... I don't know. Are supposed to like Senlin at first? I don't think you are. There's very specific choices that are made by him and by the author to really make you distrust him and really kind of like be bored by him. Frankly, right?
1: You're kind of like I don't, I don't get you. I don't feel like we're, you know, like we're vibing. <laughs> and there's
0: even, there's even some stuff towards the beginning that kind of feels a little icky.
1: Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, that ends up,
0: you know, you know, over time, I feel like. G- give it a shot. Yeah. G- give Senlin a shot and just kind of trust the process. But I-, I do think that there are points where you kind of feel like he might be a little icky. Um, no, I agree. He has to get out of his comfort zone and change a little
1: bit with what he's kind of been taught. He's you can tell he's like a victim of shittisms. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to do this and you're supposed to think like this and this is what you do. And then he has to kind of be put into this extreme situation to to bring out these other parts of himself that are a lot more um, awesome. <laughs> uh, oh, and I should say the author Josiah does cite um, Jules Verne and H. G. Wells
0: and Robert Louis Stevenson in his um, in his. Uh, Afterward. He cites someone else, too, which I appreciate. So I want to talk a little bit about the tone, um, talking about who he cites. Okay. Um. So this story, at first, to me, felt very grimdark. Like, everything just seemed, like, like weird and strange and depressing. But this story, this world, it's like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, mm-hmm. but dark. It's mm-hmm. like... Dante's Inferno, yeah, but inventive and fun.
1: Yeah, Dante's Inferno. I'm a big fan, but it's not fun.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's this really interesting, um, kind of unique blend of like being really fantastical in, in a way that that's that's honestly almost a non sequitur around every turn. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah, uh, and that's where I get the Douglas Adams Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy portion right. of it, but it's not. Funny like that. It's right. not, you know, it's not just, you know, taking the piss out of things, it is true satire. Mm. in a lot of respects.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of uh, parts of this that are very reflective of of the society he lives in and the society of the tower, which is completely different depending on what ringdom you're in and even what parts of a ringdom you're in. Um, and also when he talks about those authors that we talk about, and Scott and I love a lot of those authors' works, not so much Douglas Adams, but the older ones, he does say, yeah, turns out they're sexist, <laughs> awful, racist bigots. And it's like, yap.
0: <laughs> I highlighted that. Me
1: too, yeah, because... I appreciated him being like, "Oh, these things I loved as a kid." Jesus, <laughs> you know, when you look back at it, but at the same time, as you know, that's how it is with a lot of classic authors—is you find problematic stuff even in stories that captivate you. But, but luckily, Josiah is not. <laughs> Josiah is not about that life. <laughs> um. So I have to say, this is hinging on a mass appeal for me. Um
0: it's hinging does that yeah, make sense I, I, it does and i'm kind of i'm having trouble with it as well i i almost i don't know here here's here's why i'm having trouble suggesting it um as a mass appeal yeah and this is gonna sound elitist and i'm trying i'm mm-hmm. trying i'm trying for it not to be so please just just bear with me and talk me through this for a second I'll try. this is a long book it is pretty long this is a four book series sure that's that's a hard sell for the masses
1: but i don't know like harry potter was like 50 million books yeah but
0: but it gets you hooked with shorter little books and then it finally gets long <laughs> but I, I, it is also it is also much darker than um how many harry potter books are there seven yeah six of harry six sevenths of harry potter it's much darker <laughs>
1: It is darker. It is darker. It's not so dark that I think a lot of people couldn't stomach it, though. Yeah, but a lot
0: of the fun comes late. I'm not going to spoil it, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. Um, it, it you know, it spends a lot of time kind of setting up the character and setting up the world in ways that are not fun.
1: Interesting. Interesting. I'm not sure that I entirely agree with you because... um for me it was kind of fun it was kind of like a grand adventure and i was just so hotly anticipating around every turn what he would encounter next so i do think i, I think okay. i disagree I, I found it a little more adventuresome
0: i think we're gonna have to go into the spoiler section to talk a little bit more about that but i'm gonna go with broad appeal
1: yeah i mean i think i i Because I'm not sure I'm going to go with broad in this case, Mm -hmm. I think this is a great read for a lot of people, um, a lot of different ages. I could see this in the hands of so many different readers of all ages and walks of life, uh, people who have kind of a little bit of interest in, dare I say, video games and world building video games might dig this.
0: Uh, for sure, actually, yeah. I do you def- get where I'm going. I actually do get where you're going because yeah. I this was inspiring for as a as a dungeon master in D and D. Yeah, this is this has uh you know shades of things that you'll find in certain animes,
1: mm-hmm. um,
0: in, in things like that. Um, I, I totally get where you're coming from.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. So if you know somebody like that, or you are somebody like that, and maybe you like books that have that game-like feel. This could, um, this could be it for you. Uh, I also think it's important to note that there are thousands of snails, some as large as cows. Their shells the color of dark and polished jade. If there's nothing else, please keep that in mind. Um, <laughs> there that's, are snails in this book. That is a dream for me. I don't think I've talked about it on any shows. I am majorly into snails. Big time. I freaking love snails. And one of my favorite things in the whole wide world. We actually have a fish tank full of sea
0: snails. It's just snails. Um, it's all snails.
1: I started with one snail whom I called Snailin Jennings. <laughs> and now I can't really tell them all apart. So they're all the Snailens. It's the snailins tank. And... um well, it started as an accident because Scott made a bioactive fish tank. This is just a short little, short little, little nugget for you here. And um, there was a hitchhiker snail in it. We did get a uh, a snail that was supposed to be there too—a mystery snail, right? Uh, it's a
0: a narrate snail,
1: narrate But snail. Yeah. And she's gorgeous. Uh, she's black and gold. She's gorgeous, but a swirly shell. But. There was a hitchhiker snail in it. And Scott's like, oh, we got a snail. And I, I was, was like, not
0: looking for pond snails in that tank.
1: No, and I was like, "Oh, what do people do with the snails when they find them? And he's like, well, they're kind of a pest. And I was like, well, they don't hurt the snail. <laughs> they don't hurt the snail. <laughs> like, not in this house are we hurting or throwing away the snails. And hence, the tank of snail
0: I mean, they can't just go down the drain. That is for sure. You I can feed know. them to a puffer fish, but
1: i'm sorry let me look under my th- we don't have a puffer fish here yet <laughs> they are really cute anyway um if you have any recommendations uh books with snails um besides never any story i was
0: gonna st- oh you beat me to it here's the thing you
1: know i love that racing snail you know i do but um, but no, it's not
0: worth the price of admission.
1: No, here's the thing. I love a lot of things about The NeverEnding Story. I don't like Bastion in the movie. I cannot stand that little boy. <laughs> cannot stand him. Um. Okay, we gotta go. Yeah, we're getting off <laughs> track. Let's go to the spoiler. I just wanted to share my love of snails. <laughs> hey, Bookworm Buddy. Don't forget, subscribe, rate, and review. And while you're at it, find us on Instagram at genre Junkies. I actually just made a joke, but I think I need to share it because it's actually relevant. So when Senlin loses Maria, and this happens to people a lot, people get lost in the tower all the time, which is so frightening to me. And that's part of why I love the concept of this story. Like you find people tethered together because it is like, yeah, you lose people in the tower and you might never see them again. That is so scary to me because you're like, what what kind of tower is this? How do you lose people? But um, there's a part where Senlin's beating himself up because he's like, I don't know her very well. I don't know where to look for her. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And be- and I was thinking about Scott and I, my little co-host over here, and we were just joking because as you all heard, I'm obsessed with snails, and I would obviously be where the big snails are. Like Scott would know. Yeah. To go and They're I will snails. wait at the big snails. Yeah
0: because you could, you could literally spend the rest of your life there waiting for me with the snails. Um, you might not, we might not leave the snails. Yeah. Even after I found you. And
1: I know Scott would be in the parlor. Like you would just stay there and be playing roles until <laughs> I found you. Um, I actually, hmm. You could, you would, you would know that could be a good place to wait.
0: You know what? Th- yeah, but how would you find me there?
1: I'd have to go through like every room or I'd have to barge into the men's changing room.
0: No, I think you'd probably find me on one of the, the beer me rounds, <laughs> The beer me's. Or what, the beer me's, yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, I mean, I think you would stay there long enough for me to catch up with you, yeah. Anyway, I, it's... Um, I mean, that seems like fun. Oh, sounds like a blast. Um, so I was talking about when I started to root for Sentlin.
0: Yeah, I'm really off with interested that? in hearing that. So
1: there was a part, uh, it's around page 72... So we're still within the first 100 pages. That's pretty early, yeah. Yeah. And he says, Maria will never know if I die. If I die, she'll think I abandoned her. And that made me care about him. And I was starting to warm up because I appreciated that about him, that he didn't want her to feel abandoned. She did nothing wrong. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then it's on page, I want to say 93 here. So this is when I was like, we're cool, Senlin. He's talking about when he proposed to her. Yes. You've made it impossible for me to read a book in peace. When you're not here, I just gaze at the words until they tumble off the page into a puddle in my lap. Instead of reading, I sit there and review the hours of the day I spent in your company, and I am more charmed by that story than anything the author has scribbled down. I have never been lonely in my life, but you have made me lonely. When you are gone, I am a moping ruin. I thought I understood the world fairly well, but you have made it all mysterious again. And it's unnerving and frightening and wonderful. And I want it to continue. I want all your mysteries. And if I could, I would give you a hundred pianos. It makes me actually like it made my eyes. Well,
0: I agree. That was that was the first time when I was like, oh, okay, because prior to that, I felt like their relationship was um, one sided Mm. a little bit loveless even like it was more transactional than it was really a, a a romance right um because he held back some things like that yeah and then later on um later on like ve- like very late in the book when he's explaining like how their romance started, which is a little problematic. <laughs>
1: A it, little it is, problematic. It's a little problematic, yeah. But, but not, I mean, it's problematic in our world. I don't know if it's problematic in their world, but yeah.
0: yeah. And I mean, we are talking, and, and you know, I, I'm making some inferences here. Yes. But she also left, went to college or whatever, or secondary school or Matured, whatever they call it. Yeah. Yes. And then came back, and there was still, and and, and like, that's when the true romance started. Like, right. so I can, you know, I, I can forgive that, but. I digress. Yeah. He like when he were really first introduced to Senlin, all of that stuff about their marriage. He seems very cold. Mm -hmm. And like, what does she see in him? Which I, at that point, I still actually know what she saw in him, but still, um, like it it seemed, it seems so abrupt and it didn't make any sense. And I appreciate yeah. that that was kind of its own second story yeah. that was being told throughout the book.
1: I, I agree. I think it's a really interesting, non-saccharine, um, gross way to write a romance, too, which I appreciated. Um, there's an actual, it feels like, real respect and admiration for each other mm-hmm. in their relationship and he's been taught oh I'm the headmaster I'm a man of letters I'm a learned man and all of this stuff and so he has to be kind of standoffish it's a little bit of when they say that that old british stiff upper lip thing and you don't show your emotions right is mm-hmm. it's just kind of again it's like those shudisms that have been placed on him but inside of him is a passion and he is wickedly smart like he's not and it's not just because he's read a lot
0: of essays (laughs)
1: like and he has a
0: little mansplaining at times
1: (laughs) well he's a headmaster yeah yeah um i am defending him a little bit but you know what i mean so you can see that spark of like she knows what's in there and you can tell she wants to like defrost him Mm -hmm. like she knows like she's not trying to change him or anything like that but she can defrost him a little
0: but boy, the Senlin that is in there, that is released when he actually, you know, accepts the world for what it is around him. It's a badass boy. What what a what a great Senlin that is.
1: And I love Maria too. Oh, I me love too. Her.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to find out more about her.
1: I think it's so clever how she. I mean, she fell into pitfalls because that's what the tower will do to you. But she's kept herself above water and i i really admire her
0: for that yeah and she does it in a way that she's like like she has made mistakes but she's also kind of just like owning herself while doing it you will make mistakes in the tower
1: the tower will eat you alive yeah no one gets through like even his boss leader says "Look, i know people are after you everyone's gonna get to this level of baggage. <laughs> like it's it's just part of it so before we talk about the levels and some of the other characters um. How about that moment when the chapter headers switch from being that book to Senlin's book? Oh, it was
0: brilliant, brilliant.
1: I dropped my teeth, and I f- started flipping back because I was like, did did this happen?" And I just, you know, I didn't realize because I've just been like reading everyone and absorbing it. But no, it was like that first one. You're like, damn,
0: yeah. smart, mm-hmm. he's, very smart.
1: He's writing the story now. It's,
0: yeah, he's no longer he's no longer an observer. He's no longer a tourist. He oh. is now he is now a resident.
1: So you get to the tower, <laughs> and outside is the bustling, insane marketplace where most people get lost. Yes.
0: Um, I mean, you're guaranteed if you if you lose sight of someone, you're pretty much guaranteed to lose them.
1: How frightening is that? Terrifying. I hate that. And you know me, I wander away and there, you know at the did you think about me how I wander away?
0: Yes, very much so. And I really liked the idea of tying a rope and I might steal it in real life. <laughs> I lost my co-host i I think and there there's something, you know, this, this book is so mysterious, because it felt magical, almost. Yes. and like it's guaranteed to happen. And sure enough, the first time he loses sight of her, she's gone. Yep. and all of the stalls change every single day. Yep. It felt magical.
1: Yes, it does, because it's un, it's out of one's control mm-hmm. is, I think, part of it. So he meets Adamo. I love him. I love Adamo. Great character. Great character. Um, (laughs) He's got layers. He's got some twists and turns. And there's a cool moment when Senlin becomes his boss later where he's like, I'm not going to hold a grudge against this guy. Everybody does what they have to do to survive in the tower.
0: Yes. Including, including Semlin.
1: Yep. And there's a part too where um, I think it's Adamo says to him, like, you don't have any friends in the tower. And he's like, see, that's what all my friends say. (laughs) I love it. It's another great, like Semlin kind of turning moment, but um, I love him and his sister. And I thought it was really cool to hear about their life where they're from before they got to the tower. Mm -hmm. And you can see how people, you know, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of drudgery and, you know, kind of heartache in this world everybody lives in. And it's a lot of like people work these risky jobs where you could die and you could see why people want to go to the tower. I could see people wanting to go to the tower now in our world too. Oh, absolutely. But it's like, you can really see how people are like, it's almost like America, you know, at the turn of the last century where it's like you go there to make your to make your way.
0: And and it's it's a pilgrimage. Almost. Yes. Yeah. I mean, they, they have the they have one of the greatest uh, advertising campaigns.
1: It's the ultimate manifest destiny. And as far as I know, there were no natives to displace in the tower. So a little less problematic. As,
0: as far as we know, so far, the tower was Built was constructed over like thousands of years. Well, that's something else. You know, I kind of talked about. We that. don't know everything about the power. We tower yet. don't. Yeah. And that first part when I said it felt magical. Yes. Th- this book takes a lot of different arcs, and and when it and that's one of them. Like everything seems so strange, and and you know, in some respects, magical and odd. And as the book progresses, it becomes more and more like nefarious. But also understood, like it becomes more science and less magic. Yeah. And you start to look back at all of those things that you saw before and you start to see why yes. it's like that, as insane as it is, as crazy as it is, why it's like that. Right. Brilliant.
1: Brilliant. Um, I can't wait to learn more as we go, how the tower was built, how the kingdoms were created, how this works because there's not like the, as far as we know, there's not like somebody that's like the president of the tower. You know what I mean? It's like these independent little, little fiefdoms,
0: little worlds. Well, that's the way it's, it's, it's structured as far as the control. But I think the fact that, you know, the first four layers are basically all part of this engine that feeds everything above it. Oh, there's gotta be. I I think that there is. Some controlling interest somewhere.
1: And I mean, because they've had to create, as you said, like the first four layers basically are powering everything. And we don't really know that until like much later in the book. Basically the end. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, it makes sense. Like they have to keep the fires burning, the Birmese, you know, all, all of that stuff. And so it's kind of like, what are people higher up doing And that's when we get to the point where we now have airships. Oh my god! And not
0: just airships, but we're going to have an airship crew
1: and a ship and like ship
0: pirates. Like, yes, I'm so down for that. I was not expecting that at all. Nope. But it
1: makes sense because how else? Like the elites are not gonna go up through the bo- no, through the basement.
0: Absolutely, like not. the people
1: coming on vacay, they're gonna just go into port. Makes a lot more sense. It's dangerous though. You can. <laughs> boat can crash as we know at the beginning so the bottom layer is at the basement is absolutely like disgusting Uh, i know you like the idea of the beer me but it's horrifying oh it is it's
0: horrifying down there
1: and that's when we first learn about hods which are slaves it is very very easy to become a slave because they need slaves to keep everything going there um so it's very dangerous it's very dangerous in the tower for a lot of reasons because they need working class to keep it going
0: well, they need they need less than working class. Right. The people right. who are who are not slaves are inadvertently the working class. Right. That's that that was the the that was the symbolism that struck me the hardest. Yeah. Is that there's all these people who are working so hard for the tower and they're paying to do it because they don't even realize that they're basically giving up their whole lives for mm. nothing. For nothing. For nothing. Um and the tower is such an illusion. It is. And if you think about those layers of the tower, it it's th- this is where I got my Dante's Inferno simile yes. here. But there's this there's this kind of structure of capitalism that is that is disgusting you know you have this this bottom this bottom level who are the who are the the poor the the unwanted the ignored yes and they're basically just they're just pummeling everything up to you know the next level which is the parlor where people are acting like they're living a life they're acting like they they they're going through the motions of having, you know, a role and a place yes. and a personality, but none of it is real.
1: It's it's none of it is real at all. So it's this this escapism that as all the parts of the tower are that is where you can see people's appeal to it and then especially with the parlors where you play you're larping. You're larping something that is actually quite mundane. But it's the, it feeds the need for people to pay because they want to have the escapism. And it also, as we know, you must keep the fires burning. And that's because it's relevant to upper layers.
0: And if you don't get keep the fires burning, you don't get to pretend that you are better... I use air quotes. Yeah. You don't get to pretend that you're better than those in the basement anymore and you're banned from that life. Yeah. Oh my and god. And you're sent back to the basement. Ugh, and if god. you and if you dare try to, you know, try to lift yourself up again mm-hmm. and bring yourself back up, they will blind you. They will name you. you. Well they'll brand you first. They'll brand you first. But if you dare try to get back up again, they will they Get will ya. they will send you down harder than before.
1: So this is where we meet Edith. Love Edith.
0: Edith, right off the bat, I was a little bit, I was a little bit like confused because I was like, oh, this is a really interesting character. This is a like why, why are we introducing him to what would traditionally be like a female love interest when this is right? And then oh, oh, she's gone. Okay. <laughs> and then she pops. Then the she's head. back. So much of this story felt like, oh, just like, he went on, kind of like uh, Jason and the Argonauts. Mm-hmm. Like, he, like, here's this little part of the story, and then here's this little part of the story, and the people he met along the way and left behind. Yes. And it was really nice to actually have all of that come back. It's like a Greek
1: myth, like a epic Greek myth or some other epic ancient saga, yeah. where they run into these little things along along the way to their to their task to their big goal um i love it and i think it's really creepy that these characters on the parlor they were basically larping like being like um you know kind of like inspectors and lawmakers that was all fake all of them were actors and then the guy's like oh my god really do you think i did a good job he's like wait you're an actor it's like that's the greatest review i've ever gotten yeah he's like should i like should i be a nurse yeah if you are a sadist a nurse would be a great job for you um because that's really, I think, the only reason why they would like to do that if you're a little bit of a little bit sadistic.
0: I kind of theorized that that was the case very shortly before it was revealed when he basically kind of applauded Senlin for his speech. Like, good oh. show.
1: <laughs> good show, good show. So then we get to the bads, which is like the spa level where it's always just kind of like spas and, and fun things. And, um fine dining and drink and there's street artists and it's just like everything's fine everything's beautiful everything's incredibly expensive and uh you better keep track of what you owe. It reminded me a lot of the wayward children with fair value.
0: Yeah, actually, very. You're right. I mean, this is the this is the consumerism part of capitalism. I don't know if he necessarily meant to, for this to be a capitalist, I think he but did. I think he did. This is the consumerist portion. This is the part where, you know, people are expected to just buy and buy and live this this. Kind of shallow lifestyle yeah. of, of the aristocrats, and right. you know, hanging out by the beach and going to the cafeteria and looking at art and going to parties. That's where, all it is, and and hey. and, and you know, Senlin gets lulled into this. Oh, this,
1: lackadaisical, this, yeah. yeah. It's a little, um, like Pinocchio, Pleasure Island. Yeah. Yeah, where you just can very easily while away your whole goddamn life on this level, and some people do. Um, love the whole part when we get a hint that Maria is alive, she's well, she's doing stuff, this whole side plot with the heist. Yeah. That was great.
0: And this is where Senlin starts to become... Uh, badass interesting yeah like cheerable character right he
1: starts to be willing to do anything
0: when he finally says all right i'll steal this art and the plan that he comes up with is just brilliant
1: very brilliant i I love that our artist friend that helps him escape turns out he's a big cosplayer turns out he's not even the real artist i cosplays that artist yeah and i don't know what that's about <laughs> well i think what it's about is the fact that this painting as we know is a key it's something much much bigger yeah there's something within this painting within this something that is, um really important so i think this guy cosplays that character in order to keep it alive you know what i mean
0: like a mantle sort of thing
1: yeah because he knows how important this artist was and whatever conspiracy around this art is hmm. so i think he was doing that to keep it alive uh, he's a big fan. It's a big fan. And I have no idea at this point what it could be, which is so exciting. I love that. I'm like, I don't know what could be in this
0: painting. What is, what is in this painting? Yeah. Is it symbolically a key? Is it actually a key? Is it basically the Mockingjay? I don't know. What is it? What is
1: it? it could be like a Mockingjay. So uh, someone has to get a job. He has to get a job. So he becomes even more... Awesome uh with his he makes the men love him. He turns them to his side through all this hard work and his boss is so weird. His boss is so weird. I don't remember his name. Groot (laughs) Groot?
0: No, it's Finn Finn Gall.
1: Finn Gall. Finn Gall. -Gall. I like I like mine. He's Groot. Um (laughs) so Finn Gall teaches him some interesting lessons about the tower um and how it's very, there's no honor among thieves, right? Like, it's kind of the idea. You have to, you
0: have to, you can't trust, you can't trust anybody. Trust no one. You can work with people, you, can tru- you can't and trust. And you can care people. about them. Yes. But that doesn't mean
1: that uh, you should trust them. So I don't want to skip over a couple of very important characters here. So we get another badass woman. First of all, we meet up with Edith, who has a sick new arm, but Iron. I love Iron. She's, um... I had so much compassion for her and wanting to learn to read and she uses her strength and her stature. That's what she can do to get through the tower. Um, and I knew it. I knew she was going to fall loyal to Sunlin. I just knew it. But um, Well, we don't know if she's necessarily well, loyal to Sunlin yet. She's as loyal as anyone else in this book. Let me put it that That's way. That's true. Yeah. She's as loyal as anyone else and I'm sure there's a part of it is because he treated her like a person. Mm -hmm. She wasn't just a tool. She wasn't just an object. Um, Yeah, I love her. Totally like a character that would traditionally be a man. Yeah. And, you know, this great hulking bodyguard. But instead, no, it's Irene. And her name's kind of like Irene, which is kind of like one of my middle names. So that's cool. Um, Obviously, I love the red hand.
0: (laughs) Obviously, oh, yeah.
1: I love the Red Hand and I love how insane he is. He's like the mad hatter only psychotic.
0: He's Bane.
1: He's Bane.
0: Yeah. He he is Bane. I really want to know what that red stuff is.
1: And what's this He's either Okay, I don't think he's actually sister brother with Edith, but she went into something that like they're from the same It's almost like what I'm thinking of is like it's almost like a cult. That they belong to when you have
0: the arm and the red stuff. I think it's kind of a... Like kind of a religion, kind of a cult. I, I think it's kind of... I think it's more like a a, a Weapon X sort of thing. Fraternity? Where it's like... um. You know, Wolverine yeah. runs into another from the Weapon X experiment. Like, yeah. there's a kinship here. We both have been through this.
1: Mm, I want it to be a little more organized, but it could be. I, they could just be uh, the type of super soldier they're developing there. But I want it to be um, a cult because I like cults. Um, <laughs> not being in them, just learning about them, reading about them. Um, so I love that, though. He's creepy. He's awful. He's awful i he like jumps through windows he's like impossible <laughs> to get rid of like he might go away for a little bit but like you can't shoot him you can't do anything well
0: and the way that his he's described as almost having been um like not mummified but pre- like preserved in formaldehyde Ew, yes
1: what's with his skin he's how
0: old is he? like he's like maybe he's dead
1: it's like well yeah i'm sure he's like maybe kind of a frankenstein or like he's He's more machine than man. And uh, you know, he's just become this this thing. And uh is Edith gonna become I a mean, thing?
0: It is being objected directly into him as opposed to Edith, which is just which is powering the arm. But
1: is that just for now? Eventually, will that be enough? I think she's going to turn into a red hand. I think that's what happens. Okay. Is that you you become that. So she's kind of trying to like live on the lamb a little bit.
0: Well, let's hope she doesn't become the red hand.
1: <laughs> um, how much do we love also the elaborate heist to get
0: the ship? And none of it goes according to plan. <laughs> 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 that, that's the other thing that I really appreciate is, you know, yes. Sandlin comes up with really ingenious plans. He does. And none of them go correctly.
1: He's so smart though to get there.
0: Yeah. And it's, you know, you know, step one, make the plan. Step two, execute the plan. Step three, throw away the plan. <laughs> You know, I, I I like i I like it when it's not, you know, all oceans eleven and everything goes according to the plan.
1: Not this time. Um, there was another highlight I really quickly wanted to share another part of Sunland that, um, that I knew I really liked him, and this is after all those parts I said. But when Ida says basically, "Hey, thanks for not assaulting me while we're in this cage together." And he's like, "I hope it doesn't come to that that we shouldn't have to go around congratulating each other for behaving with basic human dignity. Thank you but yes, Josiah. Senlin, y'all are the y'all are the real ones.
0: I mean, the, basically, the thing that separates Senlin from most other people is he hasn't fallen into hedonism. <laughs>
1: um what is it oh the red hand he has some oh i'm just okay this is my last this is my final thought this is the red hand the wound seeped with luminous blood but bled only a little iron ore can be tempered into steel or it can be filled and transformed into the lightest of gases hydrogen this illustrates the paradox of consciousness we are vapor in rigid form god god damn god damn red hand (laughs) that's good good. that's good good. good stuff He got a lot of them. He's got he red hand. He got a million of them. He's always dropping bon mots. Um, I had such a blast. This was definitely one of those books that for me was an escapism too. I was so engulfed, and I still am in this world and the tower. Anybody out there familiar with Gormenghast? Where are my Gormenghast people? At this is like kind of like Gormenghast. Yeah, think about it. It's kind of like Gormenghast. don't know if you know. Gormengast. If you know, you know. Yeah. If you know, you know um yeah uh absolutely riveting novel i have to give it five out of five red hands a great gift a great gift (laughs) this holiday season a red hand or this book
0: Uh, my score depends on something um the tone of the book Definitely, you know, as I've said multiple times, I didn't like Sendlin at the beginning. I didn't understand what the tone was. It took me a while to really get on board with what this this book was wanting to be. Now, I feel that that was intentional by the author and was part of the journey and is what I love about this book. And so if you feel that that was intentional, then I'm giving this five levels of the Tower of Babel out of five.
1: I think it's intentional. I think Josiah's
0: got... But if it's not intentional, Mm -hmm. then I would give it a four.
1: I think it's intentional. I do too. Thank you so much for joining us for this fun, fun, unexpected steampunk adventure. Uh, what? And I really am serious. It's a great gift to give this holiday season. It's great. Yes, it book. is. All right, everybody. I'm Sandra. I'm Scott. Please keep reading past your bedtime. <laughs>